Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 195, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. My name is Cedric Golden, and I'm joined by the duck, Kirk Bowles, and two of our favorites of all time, Texas OU. Coming up on Saturday at 11 a.m. in a near-empty Cotton Bowl. And uh, we had to get some family on board. Oklahoman greats Jenny Carlson and Barry Trammell are joining us. And, Duck, we'll get to you because you're coughing already. Uh, I want to know first with you, Jenny, how do you expect the atmosphere to be when we walk through that empty concourse? Because – We've all we've covered between us for about a hundred of these, and so the walk from your car through the crowd through the band. How do you expect that to be with only twelve thousand on each side? Much less crowded. Gonna be easy to move around. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be weird. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's uh, it, you know, even when with these games moving to the eleven o'clock starts. I mean, the fairgrounds are always packed. Um, people get there early. Uh, they're, you know, around and, and milling and eating and drinking. And, you know, so the, the environment, even with those early kickoffs, is, is lively. So, you know, I don't I, – I, su- I suppose there will be some people that will show up that don't have tickets, but it's not going to be nearly the amount that we would see on a normal basis. Obviously, the fair not going on either. So – um, you know, I, it's going to be weird. I mean, it's going to be very, uh, very strange. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we've all been in stadiums that have either been empty or only partially full to this point, but you still just expect that, you know, that 50 yard line divide at OU Texas, you still expect the roars both ways. And, you know, it's just, it's going to be 12,000 from each side. So it's just, it's going to be strange. There's just, there's no other way. I, I can't think of any other word than strange. That's just what it's going to be. Barry. Well, we've experienced, all of us have experienced <clears throat> the Cotton Bowl Classic on New Year's Day, um, whether Texas playing LSU or somebody or Oklahoma playing Arkansas 19 years ago. And brutal today um, starts. Yeah, and that was strange. I mean, that was strange on those days, and that was a relatively or absolutely full crowds. Um, so we sort of know that walking through the fair with nobody there is very odd, and it gives us all a sense. You know, Jenny today wrote about sort of the apocalyptic nature of the feeling when you walk through the fairgrounds with nobody at the fair. And we sort of had experienced that, but I think for us, 
us for, and I think for most people that, that have been to Cotton Bowls, the stadium itself is going to be the, the crazy part because, um, you know, you can go out to the Texas State Fair, I assume. I've never been when it's not, not the ball game, but I assume every weekend at, at Fair Parks, you know, pretty lively. But when we go into that stadium and there's 24,000 people there and there's not even going to be a real 50-yard line in the stands and everybody's spaced out, I think that's really going to hit home to everybody when they see, you know, and we all know the pandemic's here. I mean, nobody's got their head in the stand. But when you see that, that's going to be one of those epiphany moments that, yeah, this 2020 strangeness, this is, this is one of the prime examples. Hey, guys, I covered, uh, you know, the, the uh, old Cotton Bowl isn't the only thing that has been there uh, bowl game-wise. I covered the Heart of Dallas Bowl at the Cotton Bowl a few years back. And uh, I, have, I have seen the uh, Cotton Bowl partially, uh, well, mostly empty, only very, very partially full. I saw Oklahoma State play Purdue one, early one uh, New Year's Day. And there were not a lot of people there. And it was very strange. And so I maybe have an idea, but Barry's right. That is going to be very odd. I, I'm just looking forward to getting a prime parking spot. I mean, I'm going to get so close. God, you're selfish. You are so selfish. I am old. I'm old, okay? Quit making fun of the elderly. God, you're I, still in the game. Quit doing that. And you, I would, well, I would, Before you go there. You're, you say you're looking forward to getting a prime parking spot, but as soon as you pull up and you're going to see that good parking, some idiot is going to, is going to make you park in Plano. That's what happens every year. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's true. But don't you think, guys, that it may be, what, 25,000, right? And this is not a 100,000-seat stadium. So maybe the 25,000 will yell for the 50,000 that aren't there. So nope. I think – I think, well, when uh, we talked to Sam Ellinger this week, he said it was loud in Lubbock. And, you know, Brian Davis and I were there, and it was loud at times. So, and there's no yelling and screaming quite like the Texas OU game. But uh, I don't know, Texas, is this really the Texas OU week? I mean, has there ever been such a lack of sizzle for this matchup, guys? What a Deborah Downer. I mean, look, man. I, I, I watched Texas choke. Let's just call it what it was. That was a choke. I watched them choke. <laughs> oh, I wish we had video of this. She just Jenny just held up a, a headline in Oklahoma and Dread River, the Dread River rivalry, basically. <laughs> and that's what it is. I watched Texas choke uh, against TCU on the doorstep. And then, then I watched uh, – Oklahoma give it away against Iowa State. Uh, Barry, I'm going to start with you on this OU thing. Um, this is the first year that uh, Lincoln Riley does – he has a mere mortal playing quarterback. It's, it's not Baker, it's not Kyler, and it's not Jalen. Spencer Rattler is a talented young cat, but, but he's given up the ghost late in games. And what we have now is OU at 0-2 and Texas blowing a chance – to be up, to be 2-0 and in conference, and also with a chance to just basically knock Oklahoma out before the season even gets rolling. Where is Lincoln on Spencer Rattler, and uh, is he ready for prime time? 
Well, I mean, Lincoln's still really high on Spencer, and he ought to be. You know, if you study it, Spencer Rattler might be the least of Oklahoma's problems. Um, the offensive line's been been leaky. The running backs are fine. The receivers are fine. But Rattler's been fine, except for really for the last possession or two of each game. And he hasn't he hasn't brought them back. But you know what, Baker couple times had the chance to do that and didn't do it. And, uh, now Murray did, uh, but Hurts, um, you know, it's not like those are quarterbacks that – those were front runners. I mean, they, they played so well early that Sooners didn't have to worry about a, a last-minute rally. Um, so they've got, they've got other issues far deeper than, than Spencer Rattler. Um, but he, this is the first time, I would say, and ever how long – that Texas has the, not just a quarterback edge, but a probably decisive quarterback edge. So to me, that's interesting. Ellinger is not only experienced, he's the most experienced guy in the history of this game. This is his fifth Oklahoma-Texas game. And if these two teams could somehow rally and make it to Arlington, he could play six. And since this is a Pandemic year, nobody's eligibility counts, so he could play them twice next year. He could have eight games against the Sooners. <laughs> that would that would be a record that would not be uh, in danger of falling anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I, Texas has the quarterback edge. Rattler has been great uh, a good chunk of the time. He's made some mistakes, but you know, that, to me, he's the least. Uh, he's the last thing I'm worried about for Oklahoma going into this game. It's those safeties and, and linebackers that, that worry me a lot more than Spencer Rattler. You sound like you're talking about the Texas uh, defense, um, <laughs> safeties and linebackers. Uh, Duck, uh, we talked with Sam Ellinger on Tuesday. He's pissed off. Let's just call a thing a thing. <laughs> you guys weren't on the pressure, but Kirk tried to goad him, and I just – it's not so dis so disingenuous. Did not he tried to goad Sam, and it didn't work out. Sam uh, Kirk asked him basically, uh, "Were we sacked eight times against nine. OU, nine times against OU last year? Are you still? Do you still feel that? Are you still hurt? Are you still feeling the hits?" And he took twenty five seconds. Before he answered, it was the most uncomfortable silence. Oh, you're leaving the part out. And then I quickly said, is Saturday's game a barometer where this program is? That's why he paused. Because then after about 30 seconds, he said, honestly, I don't know. That's a good question. He said, I don't know. You know, and I said, have they not played with a sense of urgency ever down? He said, no, we haven't. So I think Sam is very concerned about where this team is and where this program is. And he is pissed off and he is the leader of this program. So that's why I don't know what to expect Saturday. I don't got two, two angry teams. You got two very angry teams and desperate teams. Angry or hurt. Well, all the above, I think. Both. Yeah. So what's wrong with the OU defense? I mean, Alex Grinch was the savior last year of Rolls. Did he win the Brawls Award? He did, didn't he? Or was he a finalist? I don't remember. I know he was a finalist at least. I think I think I think uh, LSU. Uh, I think one of their guys, offensive coordinator. I think he. Oh won. yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. they were decent. I heard. Right. Well, here, 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 here's what I do know about Alex. He makes one point eight million a year. I know that. I know that. And I um, wonder. I wonder if. Uh, I mean, I assume he doesn't have any bonus clauses for tackling in his contract. But <laughs> whew, that has been. And and listen, guys. I know we we've, we've talked, and I'm sure you have too. You know, they changed obviously how much teams can tackle and when they can tackle and all that sort of stuff. But that's everybody's reality. And yeah. so it's not like OU or Texas or whoever tackles poorly is faced with some alternate reality where, you know, they're getting to tackle less or focus on it less or whatever. But Oklahoma, some of the problems that cause them to switch to Alex Grinch are the same problems they're having this year. Um, tackling prime among them, you know, just getting the guys, but not getting them on the ground. It's a fundamental thing that um, you saw improve last year. Um, and now you start to think, well, was that because they had Kenneth Murray? Was that because they had Parnell Motley? I mean, was it because they had guys that made up for that? They had a couple that made it work and now they're back to trying to develop that again. I don't know what the answer is. They're not getting much push on the defensive line, I don't think, which obviously is a problem. And then they're, they need guys from linebackers into the backfield to make some plays. And they're just – they're not doing it right now. Um, and I think that was – I think that secondary was something at least I thought was going to show some signs of, of evolution and improvement. And instead, that's where you end up seeing a lot of these – missed tackles happening and so that's very concerning i would think from oklahoma's standpoint do people want mike stoops back <laughs> no but they're, they're they're a little more forgiving i'll say that <laughs> you know what i'm hearing here is i'm hearing shootout that's what i'm hearing i'm hearing two bad defenses and two quarterbacks who who have good arm talent and two pretty good offenses, very good. Texas averaging like 50 points a game. So I'm hearing, I'm hearing shootout. I'm hearing maybe, maybe the highest scoring one we've seen in quite some time since – what was the one with Kyler when he brought him back? 48-45. That's, that's what I'm hearing, Bear. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, here's, here's the disconcerting thing, the overriding theme going into this game for me. And I know it's going to sound biased, and I don't care because I am kind of biased. The Big 12 isn't going to get any national stroke when the biggest dogs are barking. No one's talking about Oklahoma State being 3-0. and Maybe y'all are because you sell papers there. <laughs> but I, I think when Texas and OU are both struggling, it hurts the conference to no end. And uh, you can ask Oklahoma and Baylor about their CFP experiences. Uh, does it really matter who wins this game uh, if neither one of these guys is going to be in the CFP conversation, Barry? Well, you're exactly right about that. Um, it's unfortunate. Now, I mean, if Oklahoma State ran the table, I think the Cowboys are in the playoff. Um, I think it's even possible for a one-loss Big 12 champ to make it. But you're right. When, when the Sooners and the Longhorns are down, especially in a year when – look what happened on September 12th. Kansas State and Iowa State, who now lead the conference with OSU, they lose to the Sun Belt. 
And, and then the next, you know, when we start playing conference games, OU goes 0-2. Texas goes 1-1 one one with a miracle victory. Um, and it's, it's about the most – it's the worst possible start to a season the Big 12 could have. In a year when Big 10 and the Pac-12 is not doing anything and you sort of had – you sort of had a seat at the table for everybody to pay attention and, and really elevate the conference, and it just hasn't happened. And so um, it, it's opportunity missed, really. But that's not terribly surprising. Um, that's what this conference usually does is, is waste opportunities. And, you know, people talk about, you know, getting past 2020, you know, getting past this year. If you're the Big 12, you're going to be fired up to get past this decade. Because, <laughs> you know, this decade's just been abysmal. And, you know, when we, when we get into the – maybe you say the 20s have started. But, you know, just not a lot's gone well for Big 12 football in the last – well, since, well, since uh, Colt McCoy got hurt on the Rose Bowl turf. is You know, that's about when everything came off – the wheels came off. So, since then – not a lot of good's happened, and certainly this year is indicative of that. You know, guys, I, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say this about this weird year. You know, when Oklahoma lost to K-State, I was in Manhattan last year in 19 when the world was young, and we actually had people in the stands. But um, that game, they lose that day. And it seemed like the way things were headed, no chance they get to the playoff. Of course, they get to the playoff. And so when they lost to K-State, my first inclination was, especially the way we'd seen the Big 12 struggle, no way they get to the playoff. But then I started thinking, in this weird year where anything can happen with other teams and, you know, the virus and contact tracing and forfeits and, and God knows what, I still, I'm with Barry, I still think a one-loss team from the Big 12 can make the playoff, but it, it, it the, the, I think, I think said, or I, Kurt, I don't know who said it, but the sizzle factor of things is just so hingent for this conference on what OU and Texas are doing. Um, it really, um, it, it, it's really dramatic when you think about it, because I think there are other good football teams. I think Iowa State is a good team. I think K-State's a good team. I think OSU is legit. I've seen them. Um, I saw them. Obviously, Kansas is no great shakes, but where OU and Texas are struggling, getting people to the ground, making stops on defense. OSU has a really good defense, guys. But that it doesn't it doesn't sizzle the way Sooners and Longhorns, OU and Texas do nationally. I think you both hit on something is that the bottom of the league has come up. And Iowa State, I think, is a really good team. I think Kansas State you know, I don't know how big their upside is, but I love Chris Kleiman. I think he's a terrific coach. And Mike Gundy's in the perfect position now because OU and Texas are both flawed and both vulnerable. And so that's why I agree with you. One loss champion could get in because maybe we'll see the same thing in the SEC because their bottom has come up. Mississippi State's better, obviously, beat LSU. Tennessee's better. Uh, Florida's a lot better. Uh in Kentucky, you know, they've improved. So maybe we'll see a whole bunch of 
a one-loss champions. Maybe Clemson loses to Miami this week or Notre Dame. So I think that's a possible. The question we have is, you know, Oklahoma's league's been to the playoffs. They deserve, you know, the benefit of the doubt and maybe a down year. Texas does not. They haven't won the league since 09. Does it shock both of y'all that Texas is just not better in year four under Tom Herman than they are? My only uh, shock, maybe to a degree, but when Tom decided to change his coordinators after last season, you know, to me, that was, I mean, can anybody expect a, a new coordinator one, much less two to come in and be, you know, hit the ground running right away. I mean, that's mm-hmm. tough. And then they lose all of spring ball and suddenly that high wire act, you know, becomes even longer and more treacherous and, the wind's blowing and I mean, all of these things that have come with COVID, you know, I mean, it's just, um, and I I think Mike Yurcich is really good. We saw him at Oklahoma state. I think he um, is going to do some great things, but how quickly can they get rolling uh, defensively the same way? You know, I, I, it is surprising that, that Texas hasn't hit more of a stride considering how long Herman's been there, but yet to make changes, offense and defense that requires some time and this pandemic hasn't really allowed them much um much opportunity to really get that mm-hmm. off and running well it didn't hurt grinch last year uh barry what do you think are you th- thoughts on texas well i mean i'm i'm surprised they haven't elevated in the four years of tom because he seemed like a perfect perfect fit for ut he clearly is a good coach. You know, he proved that as an assistant. He proved that at Houston. Um, so we know we can do it. Um, just why it makes me – it makes you think, if he can't do it, who can? Um, other than Nick Saban or, Luke, or, or Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, to me that's the alarming thing is, you know, if Charlie Strong, you know, Charlie's a good coach. He just didn't work out. Sometimes that happens. But if, if it happens with Tom Herman again, all of a sudden you don't start looking at the coach. I think you start looking at what, what's fundamentally flawed in the program. Mm-hmm. So, and of course you guys know more about that than I would. I don't have any idea, but um, so yeah, I'm surprised now uh, winning is hard. You know, Oklahoma's domination of the big 12 is the domination is, is uh, symbolic is symbolized by the trophies. It's not symbolized by the field. You know, OU's won a bunch of close games. That's how they've won five straight Big 12 titles. It's not because they're thumping everybody 38 to 10. You know, Lincoln, uh, in the Lincoln-Riley era, counting his two years as coordinator, the Sooners haven't been waxing Texas. I mean, they've lost twice, and all the games have been close. And that's sort of what's been going on with everybody else in the Big 12. Hey, this year is not – if you look at it through this prism, this isn't terribly surprising. OU lost to Kansas State, and they lost a close game with Iowa State. Last year, OU lost to Kansas State, and they beat Iowa State 42-41 by stopping a two-point conversion at the end of the game. (laughs) So the difference between last year's OU team and this year's OU team against the two teams they played is virtually nothing. So, you know, the it, it, OU's hold on this conference is sort of precarious anyway. So, 
the question is, why hasn't Texas been able, you know, been taking advantage of this? This is not the domination of OU in the Big 12 is not the domination of Clemson in the ACC. Those are two different things. There's been an opening, and nobody, particularly Texas, has stepped through it. And I can tell you why. It's a culture thing. OU knows how to win the Big 12. They just do. If you ask me in any year without looking at our preseason roster who's going to win the Big 12, my, my default is OU. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it is. You ask me who's going to win the Big 12 in basketball. It's Kansas. That's what happens in the Big 12. And Texas has to figure out how to regain that cultural significance, not just on message boards, but on the football field where it matters. And Tom, I think, is a good coach, but he's got to figure out how to break through against Lincoln Riley, against OU, not just in that game, but in seasons. You can't lose. Last week is, is a perfect example. Those are the games you cannot lose. When you got OU winning 42-41 over Iowa State, stopping a two-point conversion, that's making the play that won or lost the game. That's cultural. They, they're supposed to win that game. They're OU. But then you have Texas fumbling at the goal line and basically fumbling, fumbling away a chance to be in control of their own destiny in the Big 12. And in OU, no one comes back from 0-3 in conference. I don't, I don't care who you are. That, they, beat, they win that game last week and they win Saturday. OU is done in 2020. But, but they breathe life into OU by losing. And so, um, and about the CFP, and I'll get to you, Duck, what are you, what are you guys going to think when the CFP goes? There's just something about those 6-1 and one USC Trojans that we just, we couldn't overlook them. We were picking the 6-1 and one Trojans over the 9-1 over the Oklahoma State Cowboys, Duck. On Second Thought. I mean, they've shot themselves in the foot. We know that. The, the perception of the league is bad right now. And it's so unjust because the Big 12 saved college football, and this is what they get in return uh, when they voted to decide to play ACC <laughs> and the SEC. Yeah, okay, we're legitimate. We can play. Now go back. Bob Bowlesby, the great emancipator. Yeah. Great. Now go back to your room, uh, Big 12. We'll call you when we need you. Uh, but uh, I'd go back to Barry's comment if – if not now, with Tom Herman win, and and even more than that, guys, like you talked about the quarterback edge. I mean, I mean the fact that this is Sam's fifth game he's been in this environment, whether it's Texas or not Texas Stadium, AT&T Stadium or the Cotton Bowl, he knows what that feels like, and he's so agitated. But, but he's not coming back. We all know he's not coming back next year. So this is it for him, and if they waste his career – Four really great, outstanding years without one Big 12 title, much less a CFP. You know, that, that unfortunately stains his legacy, and it's not his problem. It is not his fault. But that's what we're asking down here, if not now with Tom, you know, when. And uh, I don't think we've come close to answering that. Well, I, I want to go around the, the table here. Um, give me one guy that no one's talking about. It always happens in this game. Some guy comes out of nowhere and whether it's Stoney Clark or, you know, someone like of that ilk, 
um, Quinn Griffin comes out of nowhere and does something magnificent on Saturday and a guy that we'll remember. I'll start with you, Jim. It's, in, it's funny you bring up, uh, it's funny you bring up uh, Griffin because this being the 20th year of that championship team, we've done a little rewinding. I forgot he had the six touchdowns, but my God. I didn't. That's why I remember. Him. Wait, wait, wait. He just scored. That's seven. Just <laughs> picked up a bounce. Oh, just bounced right to him. He scored. <laughs> that was an unbelievable day. I, I, I had forgotten about that, but yeah, no. Um, you know what? I think a guy that could be important for Oklahoma, um, and maybe people are talking about him, but Austin Stogner is uh, one of these tight end H-back, whatever you want to call them, for Oklahoma. And um, sort of in the way that um, Grant Calcaterra was big in the um, Big 12 championship game that these two teams played a couple years ago. Great catch. I kind of feel like Stogner is – in some ways becoming uh, like that a little bit with Rattler. Um, I mean, they have some, they have some pretty good deep threats. Marvin Mims has been outstanding as a true freshman. Um, But, you know, I just, I think that Stogner's a little bit of that safety blanket and, and especially if we're talking about all these tackling problems, I mean, a guy that is um, he's listed at six, six, about two sixty two seventy, can run pretty well. You know, I think that that he could be a problem. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him um, have some pretty meaningful catches on Saturday. Well, he's tight in you, isn't it? I mean, look at Mark uh-huh. Andrews. I mean, always has a guy. How about the belldozer doing work like the, the Cowboys? Yeah. Barry. Um, Jacko mentioned Marvin Mims. I think he's a good one, true freshman. He could ex- – One thing Oklahoma has historically done in this game is they've come up with wrinkles in the run game. Even when they haven't been running the ball, that that, uh, in 02, we talked about Quentin Griffin in 2000, they came up with a draw series that really hurt the Longhorns in the 02 game. Quentin Griffin ran crazy. So I am going to go with uh, T.J. Pledger. He's the starting tailback. Nobody knows much about him. He hasn't done much. He's had nowhere to run, but he looks pretty good to me. And I think I think Lincoln is is capable of coming up with some wrinkles in the run game that sort of spring a tailback. I think TJ Pledger could be a guy that has a big game. Kurt. Uh, I'm tempted to go with Jared Wiley, uh, Texas own six foot six tight end, a uh, former quarterback who who flashed against TCU had a big fifty yard catch. But I'm going to go on the other side of the ball. Uh, uh, Danny Davis profiled him in our paper this week. Court Yaquez, a walk on linebacker who nobody had ever heard of, and then he started the Alamo Bowl and tore up Utah. And uh, this is the kind of game where somebody just comes out of nowhere and like, who is this guy? You know? So, uh, you know, he's a walk on. And if he wouldn't be playing at Texas, he told us uh, this week, he'd be at Texas A&M commerce, (laughs) not Texas A&M. Nothing wrong with that's East Texas. That's my area. I remember that school. Well, exactly. So I bet somebody like a court Yaquez uh, ends up flashing or a Brendan Schooler the transfer from Oregon and Arizona, a really good wide receiver, came in with a week and a half of practice and then has played very well. Who you guys said? I think they're going to have to turn over 
Spencer Radler, and, and there's a guy, uh, their safety, Caden Stearns. Duck, we've written a lot about Caden Stearns, but has Caden Stearns been that great since he's been here? He's flashed a couple of times, but, but he, he hasn't been the stud that we envisioned up to this point. And so he's going to have ample opportunities. They're going to throw it on Texas. They just, they're just going to throw it. They're going to, they're going to run it and they're going to throw it. Texas can't, Texas can't stop anybody. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to run and they're going to throw it on Texas. And Caden Stearns, um, not only in the passing game, but in run support is going to be really, really big. And I think this, this game's going to be decided. And I know it's a cliche and we'll get to predictions here. I know it's a cliche, but the team that plays the cleanest, the team that doesn't turn the ball over, and hopefully there won't be 30 penalties uh, in this one, but the team that doesn't turn the ball over is going to win this game. So uh, before we get out of here, I'm going to start with Barry. What happens? Tell our people so we'll know. I have no idea what's going to happen. The one time I was adamant about a prediction, I spoke at the OU Club of Fort Worth in 2015 on the Friday luncheon. And I always give my prediction, but I always say, I don't know what's going to happen. I told him what was going to happen. OU was, that was the year Charlie was really struggling and they looked awful. OU had just come off beating Tennessee and was, Baker was starting to be the superstar. And I guaranteed not just a victory for Oklahoma, but a route. So uh, 24-17, Jared Hurd was the star of the show. Um, so I'm Juice. out of the prediction. I'm out of the, I'm out of the, uh, putting any kind of a guarantee on my predictions, uh, but, um, but, uh, I'll, I always pick who won the year before because it's such a streaky series. So Oklahoma won last year. So I'll pick Oklahoma 41, 40, something like that. But, um, this is the time. Seems like things are set up for the Longhorns to, to uh, to knock not just knock off the Sooners but knock them out of of, of the entire season really. Jay Carr. Yeah, I uh, I've I've uh, adopted Barry's methodology of picking the winner of the last game, right or wrong. So I'll go OU, but I don't feel like it's a real strong. Um, I don't feel super uh, committed to it. I, I think I think we are looking at a shootout type of game, 45-42 type of thing. Um, so I, I mean, this game has has thrown us for loops over the years. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it does on Saturday. I, it, it's weird though because you oftentimes think that this game is going to turn on, you know the really good matchups like, Ooh, I wonder who's going to win, you know, the matchup between Gerald McCoy and, you know, whoever Texas had on the offensive line in those days. Like you think that those are the the flex points. Now it's like, you know, whose weakness is going to give way and the dam going to break. Um, so it's, it's definitely a, a thing that we, we don't talk about often in this series. I mean, even when this game hasn't determined like, who wins the, you know, who goes to the playoff or who gets to the BCF championship game or whatever, you know, we've often talked about strength and, and, and where, where did those battles turn? Now it just feels like there's more trepidation, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and what people are worrying about. So um, I do think the offenses are going to score some points. Oklahoma has shown itself almost incapable of 
getting turnovers. Um, so if they can turn over Texas, that would be huge for them in so many ways. But yeah, it just, it really, it does feel like there's going to be some offensive fireworks and um, yeah, maybe last team with the ball sort of thing. So, I'd sign up for either of those two games, you know, <laughs> no matter who wins. But, uh, you know, it's – I think – I keep coming back to maybe Texas is just a little more desperate than Oklahoma. Lincoln ain't going anywhere. You know, Tom's got hey, to – Hey, there's Tom. Come on. You're trying to fire Tom already? Why are you putting words in my mouth? You I'm just saying – not going anywhere, but what about Tom? He's not going anywhere this year. He won't be fired this year, but – should he lose this, that would be three bad games in a row. If they lose this one, I can almost guarantee they're going to lose to an Iowa State or a Kansas State or definitely maybe at Stillwater. They're going to go six and four or five and five. So a lot of times when this streak is broken, it's when there's a collection of guys that are so pissed off, like that's it. They draw the line in the sand and that's it. We are not losing again. And I'm I'm going to trust Sam on that one. I've been leaning toward Oklahoma all week, but I can see a Deshaun Jameson returning a kickoff 95 yards like he almost did against TCU, but but for a flag, and Sam throwing four touchdowns. So I just think maybe Sam's going to draw a line in the sand, and while this one's hard to predict, I'm going to go with the horns like 48-45. Now you're getting nostalgic. I'm all 45. I mean, why don't you just go 45, 13? I mean, come on. Um, I've been going back and forth all week on it. And earlier in the week I was, I was on OU and, and then I heard Sam Ellinger uh, on um, Tuesday PO'd talking, talking about not minding getting into his teammates faces. He wants this. And I think Texas made a colossal error by not get, letting Sam Ellinger carry that football on the goal line. Remember Georgia in the Sugar Bowl? They got down to that goal line, and it was Sam, first and goal, stopped. Sam, second and goal, stopped. Sam, touchdown. They, Sam, you put the ball in the hands of your best player. Deontay Ingram has a history of coughing up the ball, and yet you gave him the ball – after he'd run for 70 yards in consecutive plays. And so he's obviously gassed. You saw him get run down with a six-yard head start. So you know he wasn't fresh as a daisy. So I think when it comes down to it, and I always take the better quarterback in these matchups. That's what I do. And while I believe that OU uh, may have more juice overall on both sides of the ball, and that's close because both defenses are, are struggling. I'm going to err on uh, the side of Sam Ellinger because I just think that the, the senior quarterback playing his last game with, a, with enough weapons to get it done, um, knowing that this could be a shootout, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that Sam Ellinger gets it done and Texas wins 51-45. Hey, they're averaging Turn record. 51. <laughs> they're averaging it's going to be an, average, be an average, average game for the Texas <laughs> offense, yes. That'd be, the highest, that'd be the highest scoring ever. And, you know, the last Texas team to average 51 a game won a national championship in case you need it. Yeah. And if that Sam, is happening. 
if Texas loses this, Sam's one and four against OU, and that'll haunt him forever. It's kind of the anti-Peter Gardere. Until he comes back next year and avenges it against a much-improved Spencer Rattler. Book it, Duck. It's happening. I got $100 that says he doesn't. You're always trying to take money from me. Well, you're always Mr. trying Vegas, to take money. So you're an easy mark. Closing <laughs> thoughts, anyone, anyone before we get out of here, Jen? You know, I, I hope we get to see something close. That's always my hope because close games sure beat the heck out of blowouts. So give me a close game. Give me something to write about. Um, Hey, if they want to mix it up pregame like they did last year and draw personal fouls on everybody before things start, bring that too. I'm all for I'm all for all of it. I like it. Barry. Well, unfortunately, no Mike DeFee. So <laughs> he's retired. So listen, I think everybody needs we don't the Marshall's not in town, so I hope everybody will uh will pay attention and, and, and follow the rules. Uh the great thing about this, this game was known for one sided there for a while. It's not happened. The last, last uh, what, seven games have all been one possession games, except that tw- Big 12 title game, which was a great game anyway. I mean, late touchdown um, made a 12-point uh, decision. But I think it's going to be a great game in terms of competitiveness. I think the series has returned to those roots where everything's close. Um, so I, I think that's something everybody can look forward to. I just hope there's a place to to get saltwater taffy and a corny dog. So, other than that, I got a primo parking space with my name on it. Why do I picture Kirk driving up in a big Cadillac with Longhorn, uh, you know, Longhorns <laughs> off the front? It just everything is bigger in Texas, my friend. So I just have Kirk in my head in some sort of crazy ride. Hey, you know what? We haven't even talked about the best thing. What's that? The, in terms of the the pandemic in OU Texas the traffic is yeah. going to be nothing <laughs> I mean you're, there's not going to be any traffic on, on Stimmons there's not going to be any traffic trying to get into the fair there's not going to be any traffic anywhere so parking places you know I, I don't care where they make me park if they I can just just coast in and not have to deal with the traffic it's going to be great just get us uh, in the fairgrounds. It's going to be great either way. We'll, I'll try not to look in the stands and just kind of keep my eyes on the field. Hopefully the toilets will be working this year. You know, it's the Cotton Bowl. You never know. You well, never know. It's, they get, the toilets are getting a much-needed break. There's not any question about that. <laughs> no, guys, it's 2020, so anything can happen. Anything. That's true. Yeah. That is so Amen. true. Thank you all. Guys, it's been great. Uh, We appreciate you joining us. And that'll do it for episode 195 of On Second Thought. Thanks to Barry Trammell and Jenny Carlson. For the Doug Kirk Bowls, I'm Cedric Golden, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Ced and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.